Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you have. Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com are our websites. And finally, some good news on the economy in the midst of what's been a very, very rough few months. Then you layer on top of it the issues involved with uh, racial justice. And I have uh, taken a stand on this. I did a march with my daughter recently. And I want to tell you, as someone who is a very strong supporter of police and what's involved in the danger of being a police officer, I also feel that we need to examine closely how people are treated who don't look like me, who aren't white. There's obviously a fear. That fear is longstanding. And there's got to be a problem that we need to address with how policing is done, where for me, when a police officer is in my presence, I'm excited that he or she is there and they are keeping me safe. But think about other people who see that police officer who are law-abiding citizens, but because of the color of their skin, they're afraid that that officer is going to harm them Whatever those underlying things are, we do need to address as a society. Again, the men and women who serve as police officers exhibit great bravery doing the job, and I'm grateful you're there, but we've got to make sure that all Americans, other than those committing crimes, feel that way about the work that you do as a police officer. Now, going back to the economy, I want to say that it is good news that millions of Americans have gone back to work, but it's early. We've got a lot in front of us because even though we've had some amount of people return, 90% of people approximately who have lost their jobs are still not on the payroll not working somewhere. It's going to be a slog to get back to the strength of the economy that we had before coronavirus. And part of it is about the attitudes that so many of us have. There's a Wall Street Journal survey that just came out that found that uh, roughly two-thirds of us aren't comfortable going on an airplane, not comfortable going to any public event with any large group of people. Um, Interestingly enough, half of people are not happy with the idea of kids going back to the classroom this fall. And you probably heard me say quite strongly that I believe the kids need to be in school 
Uh, kids are at very low risk from coronavirus. I realize they could bring it home to us, but the harm to kids in not being in the classroom has been ugly, and we've got to figure out how to make it appropriate for kids to be back in the classroom. The other thing is that uh, poll after poll shows that more than a majority of people are afraid to go sit in a restaurant. And uh, you got millions of people in the hospitality industry who've been unemployed, and this is bad news for them, is that the restaurant sector is not coming back in a strong way, traditional sit-down in a restaurant, until people feel that it's safe for them to do so. Safe does not mean a quote-unquote cure for coronavirus. It doesn't even mean having a vaccine, but it does mean us having a treatment or a series of treatments that reduce the fatality risk of coronavirus. And we've got, got some work to do to get to that point, but I want you to know that us turning a corner, and by the way, this is going to really confuse people, we're going to be told at some point in the not-too-distant future that the coronavirus recession is over. And there are going to be a lot of people saying, wait, 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 I'm unemployed, or my brother's unemployed, or my wife's unemployed. How could you say that the recession's over? Because economics is truly the dismal science, and the way the numbers are calculated doesn't account for the disruptions that have occurred and the unemployment, it's only when things start to improve, economists then say, okay, the recession ended, blah, 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 even though a full recovery is going to take a while. So time for your questions that you posted at clark.com slash ask. And producer Kim, who do you have a question from? First up today is Casey from Oklahoma. Casey says, my 22-year-old son has zero credit. He has a good job in construction, and he is a good saver. He's always paid for everything with cash. Right now, he's trying to obtain a credit card, but he's been declined because he has no credit history. What can he do to change this and start to build his credit? I suggest rent to own things as long as he pays everything off early, but didn't know if that was a great idea. He lives with me, so all of the bills are in my name, although he helps pay them. So um, I appreciate you trying to guide him, but I would give a different path. And the first place I'd look is the pedal card, P-E-T-A-L card.com, which is a credit card that is a visa. And with it, people who have not had credit historically can be issued a card based on a different series of risk factors that they consider that are very non-traditional and if you can get a pedal card right off the right off the bat you have a regular real visa card now i should spell it again pedal p-e-t-a-l card.com if for whatever reason he doesn't meet the criteria for the pedal card i want him to join a credit union and most credit unions have 
what are called Fresh Start programs or similar names like that for issuing a first credit card to an individual or for helping people who've damaged their credit in the past get a credit card again. There may be certain requirements they have that are not quite like a secured card but require that you have a savings account or checking account at the credit union and that would be the path I would recommend. The thing you mentioned about rent-to-own, the rent-to-own industry is one that charges massive costs for getting an item that way. And often, in fact, typically, they don't report to credit bureaus, so there's no actual advantage in terms of attempting to establish credit. Joel? Clark Gregg in Georgia says, we're within a few months of paying off our mortgage, a few years early even, and then we need to tackle some repairs and remodeling. No estimates yet, but I expect it to cost at least $30,000 to $50,000. We would rather take care uh, of these things as we can pay for them, but the lure of borrowing to get things done more quickly is tempting. If we decide to borrow, do you see any advantage to doing a refinance before we pay it off versus starting a new mortgage later or even risking the fluctuation of a HELOC? What are your thoughts? Wow, okay. <laughs> There's a lot in that. So first things first, if you are accelerating payments on your mortgage in order to be mortgage debt free, I would stop doing that. Go back to paying your regular payment, even though psychologically it would be great to be mortgage debt free, because that would free up some cash for these things you're going to do around the home. Um, to take on a new mortgage, I wouldn't recommend that. And if you're doing a number of things that would be nice to get done, I know this is crazy, but because your desire sounds like it's been to be mortgage debt free, I would rather you take what your payment has been for your mortgage, build that money up in a savings account, and pay as you go on the repairs you need to do as an alternative I would recommend a five-year home equity loan. Home equity loans have a fixed rate of interest. If you keep the loan term five years as a five-year one instead of a 10 or 15, the interest rate is far more affordable than it would be otherwise. And it gives you a set period of time to wipe out that new debt you would be taking against your home. Kim? All right. From Walter in Ohio. In the fall, because of COVID-19, it is likely that my daughter will not go off to college and will not live in a dorm. She'll probably take online classes while living at home. Can I take room and board money from her 529 fund for her living expenses? You cannot. And this is something that uh, came up during the spring semester with people who suddenly had no housing costs to a university and parents wanted to know if they could take that money and use it as the equivalent of an eligible housing expense under 529 and you can't do that. So it means that you may be well funded now for the 529 for college costs and it'll just have to be used for other things once campuses reopen. And by the way, Ditto to what I said a few minutes ago about wanting schools to reopen K through 12. I feel that same way about college campuses reopening in the fall. 
and having students on campus. Joel? Clark Mike in Florida says with the new coronavirus-inspired CARES Act passed by Congress, there's a provision to allow for up to $100,000 in withdrawals from my 401k without the 10% penalty fee. I'm 55, and I have about $850,000 currently in my 401k and another $50,000 in other investments. I plan on doing that $100,000 withdrawal, deferring the taxes over the three equal payments over three years. I plan to pay down my mortgage to have this house paid off by the end of the year. Employment concerns aside, is this a good idea in these uncertain times to take advantage of the elimination of that penalty? So great question. And what I would say is that I prefer that you continue to pay your mortgage as you can. And at 55, I don't know how many more years you intend to work, but over the, let's say it's another decade, the value of having that 100000 working for you and growing as is likely to happen over a 10-year period to me is more advantageous than you suddenly being mortgage debt free you, know, you if you take the 100,000 what you're avoiding is you're avoiding the 10% penalty as you said but you're still having to pay ordinary income tax on all that money so for a typical taxpayer that's going to be 30-something percent of the money you're going to have to pay in tax. And then you don't have that money, that 100000 in there, to build over time for your retirement. So you certainly can do this, but I would recommend that you not single-mindedly focus on wiping out your mortgage debt and instead allow the money to continue to grow. And congratulations to you for how much you've saved to this point in your 401k, you stay on target with it, you're going to end up with a seven-figure 401k by the time you retire. Kim? Linda in New York says, I recently heard that the chain store Pier 1 is closing all of their stores. I would like to cancel my store card with them. How do I do this without affecting my credit score, and do I need to? So I don't know if a Pier 1 card is uh, what's called a monoline just for Pier 1 or if it has a Visa or MasterCard logo. If it is one that has a Visa or MasterCard logo, don't cancel it. If it is one that is only for purchases within the walls of Pier 1, uh, closing a store card is a minimal consequence on your credit. It's not like if you were to cancel a Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover. And so if you want done with it, you could do that. Otherwise, you could wait for the issuer of the card to contact you. They may, in fact, offer you a Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover as a replacement. It wouldn't be American Express, but it could be one of the other three. As a replacement for that card, which would actually be the best outcome, because you'd go from what's generally referred to in the credit industry as junk credit, a store card only good at that store, to a card that would be available anywhere that Visa, MasterCard, or Discover is accepted. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Once coronavirus started and all the shutdowns and all that, we pivoted with the content on our show and ended up becoming very, very information heavy with the way we have gone from answering your questions individually with you being on the show with me to Kim and Joel alternating asking your questions. And the response has been overwhelmingly positive. But Kim and Joel and I have really talk this through and we feel that we still miss some of the personality of the show by not having people on asking their questions directly to me so we're going to do a mix moving forward and you will hear both the circumstance we've done in more late recent with kim and joel asking questions and you will hear people asking questions directly to me as we try to get the mix right of giving as much information as we can in a time of economic disruption and at the same time making sure that the show has the sense of personality that you have enjoyed over these last 33 years so that is why you'll hear what I guess you'd call a hybrid of how we used to do things, then how we've done them more recently. And we will have a mix for you starting tomorrow. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And I want to give an update for the many, many people we've heard from who've been through the Ticketmaster nightmare with all the events that people have bought tickets for that did not happen and have been unable to get refunds. So there's a lot to share with you. First, we have had um, Joe on the show with us, I guess twice, talking about this, and I recommended to Joe that he Uh, after his credit card company turned him down on disputing the charge for failure to deliver services, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau sent him a statement that looks like is their standard response on Ticketmaster that because of terms and conditions in Ticketmaster's agreement when you buy tickets through them, that chargeback rights don't exist essentially and i could go into much more legalese but that is essentially it and that means that disputing the charge depending on your issuer because remember they're saying that a bank can say they're not going to give you a refund if you dispute the charge but it's up to each financial institution The position of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is they're keeping hands off. But 
The other thing is Ticketmaster has issued a new, 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 new policy as they have continually changed things that now makes it possible for you to get a refund in a number of cases as long as you jump through exactly the right hoops. So let's say you bought Ticketmaster tickets for an event and it was scheduled for the beginning of April. And it's now been more than 60 days since that event was, as they call it, postponed. You are in a position, if no rescheduled date has occurred, to then ask for a refund. And then that refund must be requested within 30 days of when the 60th day occurs. If you miss that window you miss your chance for a refund and you only get a credit. So uh, what you do is from when it's been 60 days from the scheduled event uh, not happening, that starts the 30-day countdown clock. And during that 30 days, if you don't want anything to do with the rescheduled date, you request the refund. Okay, so if during the 60 days from when an event was scheduled, a new date is issued. You don't have to wait the 60 days. If you don't like the new date, you can go ahead and request a refund. And if an event is truly canceled and not what Ticketmaster and their tortured language calls a postponement, which is anything other than out and out canceled, But if it is actually canceled, then you have the option of asking for your money back or asking for a credit. That is so much more work than should be necessary. I don't even know what to say to you. But the reality is Ticketmaster only wants to keep money that they've received from you. They have no desire to make refunds, but... There you go. There's their procedures. But following the calendar very closely is key to you not losing your rights to a refund. So the most important point, besides the 60 days, is when there's a rescheduled date, you have that 30-day period that if you don't want to attend anymore or the rescheduled date doesn't work for you, you have the right to request a refund. And I hope that's clear till the policy changes again. Speaking of policies that have changed over and over and over and over again, the PPP, the Payroll Protection Program rules, were just amended again, this time by an act of Congress. And uh, a lot of people who own businesses decided not to proceed with an application for a PPP loan because the rules for forgiveness were so straight-jacketed in the regulations that were issued by the Treasury Department. So all the money had to be spent in 60 days, and three-quarters of it had to be used for payroll. Uh, And this is just the most basic for you to know. The time period for when the money can be used and be forgiven is pretty much the rest of the year. 
and the amount that has to be specifically for payroll has dropped from 75% to 60 Now, that's just the highlights. There's more to it um, as far as the changes, but it makes it much more usable for a lot of businesses that felt like the tight 60-day straight jacket and 75% spent on payroll just made it not a useful loan product for you. There's still a lot of the second funding round of PPP money available. I think once the word spreads about the new rules, there will be quite a bit more take up. So if it does fit your business and circumstances to apply for a payroll protection program loan, I would say that this is a very important week for you to get to it. And speaking of to it, it's time to get to your questions for me. And producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions. And who's up? Clark, it's me. And David in Florida says, I'm having doubts if it's still a good idea investing into becoming a commercial airline pilot. It's been the dream of my 18-year-old son, and we're both anxiously waiting for this to happen. However, the contraction in the market caused by COVID-19 will displace a considerable number of current pilots, dimming the prospect for future employment. So we're now looking for a plan B. Any suggestions? Yes, I do have a plan B. And I've thought this one through about the pilot. So we went from a circumstance where as recently as January, worldwide, there was a looming massive shortage of commercial airline pilots. In fact, airlines around the world, including in our country, I think it was United, were setting up their own pilot training programs because they were so worried about pilots aging out and not enough pilots to take their places. Suddenly we went from that to where we're going to face an oversupply of of trained pilots in the United States probably for the next three years. So here's my crazy recommendation. Most people who choose to train to become an airline pilot choose to do it in a non-traditional college environment. What I'm recommending is that your son go to a four-year college where the college also offers flight training. There are a number of state schools around the country that offer pilot training programs as part of getting an undergraduate degree. It would allow your son to train to be a pilot and to also have a degree in some field that would be either related to aviation or something that would be a second useful skill. It also sets the clock back for your son four years. At 18, he would come out at 22 or 23 with his bachelor's degree and the training to uh, become a pilot, typically first flying for a commuter. And that would be my best recommendation. The second one I would make is that he consider becoming a military pilot or attempting to fly all branches of the military, have aviation positions that they train people for, and that would be a way that he could serve his country and learn to be a pilot, maybe stay in as long as he wants. Uh, there's a minimum commitment. 
then after that, make it a career or leave once his initial obligation is up and then become a commercial pilot. Kim? This is from Deborah in Georgia. This is complicated and unfortunate, Clark. What can I do if my employer has received a PPP loan and my unemployment has since been cut off? My employer, however, is refusing to pay me even though I am available for work. I know this is not how the PP loan program is supposed to work, but what can I as an employee do? Okay, so let me see if I understand this again. The employer called her back but is not paying her? The employer has not called her back even though she is available. Right, so she's still eligible for unemployment even though the employer has a PPP loan. So an employer who laid someone off, has not called them back, has still left that person unemployed, even if, in fact, they've uh, taken on a PPP. So the employer may be forfeiting loan forgiveness by not having called, done a full callback of workers. But the reality is it does not change the employee's status as an unemployed individual uh, being able to claim unemployment. You know, if the employer called her back and she refused to go back to work, she loses her right in most states to receive any unemployment. But in a case where the employer has not called her back, she maintains her right for unemployment. So the employer may have done a mass filing for employees and now revoked that, that does not prevent her from doing an individual filing for unemployment, which is what she should do. And Kim, there may be other layers to that, but that is the best answer I can give. That all makes perfect sense. It's so hard to navigate and so different in each state. But I think the main thing is what you said last, that she might not know that she has the right to file on her own because she got used to her employer doing it for her. So she should really go to her state's Department of Labor page and um, learn how to navigate it on her own because she doesn't want to lose those rights. Exactly. Joel? Clark Mary in Ohio says, with COVID-19 and people being afraid to go to hospitals in general, will flexible savings accounts be adjusted? Like, would I be able to wait until maybe the end of next year to use the money that I've set aside? You won't be able to do that, but you, if your employer has made a change, you'll be able to discontinue making flexible spending account contributions. Uh, this was a change that is unusual but is permitted. Employers don't have to participate and allow it, but I think that it's a very widespread thing. I think employers that haven't allowed this don't know they have this special right in 2020 to allow you to discontinue your contributions to your flexible spending account since the money is not going to be needed for now. Kim? This is from Sandra in Connecticut. She says, my question is about choosing an executor. I'm 68 years old and I have what I think is a substantial amount of assets. My net worth is in the high six figures. I have no debt my home is paid for. I have no family, however, to act as an executor. Currently, my attorney is my executor, and he's a very nice man, but I'm wondering if there's a better alternative. 
I have a will and I have beneficiaries listed. I just want to make sure whoever handles my estate does so professionally and fast so my beneficiaries receive the money as quickly as possible. Well, in theory, a lawyer should be able to do so very adequately, but there will be fees that will eat into the value of the estate. An alternative is if you have a very trusted friend who you also believe is very um, uh, very meticulous and will move quickly to do the work, very industrious kind of person, you could appoint an individual in lieu of appointing the attorney that you have doing it. Having the attorney, if you really, really intrinsically trust this individual, would be a perfectly viable thing, but having a friend would be potentially a way that would be money-saving and not necessarily slower than having the attorney do it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking questions you've posted for me. And Joel, who do you have a question from? Clark, this one's from Maria in Florida. She says, my child just graduated college and loans are deferred for six months. There are no jobs in his field right now due to coronavirus and social distancing. How do we begin to pay back a loan with no income? We have a Parent PLUS loan for $60,000. Is it a good idea to refinance our home and add that amount to the new loan so we can pay it off? It's at a 7% interest rate right now. Thanks, Clark. So the job thing, thank goodness, is temporary. And taking the Parent PLUS loan at 7%, and if your credit standing is really solid, refining into a new mortgage is something that historically I would not have recommended. But the interest rates are so historically low on mortgages that I would consider doing the refi. You're going to give up some borrower rights that you have with federal student loans and you will take that money and it will create a risk for you if you couldn't make your payments on the mortgage but i would recommend that if you do this path of taking out a refi that you make the loan term as short as is conceivable for you as feasible for you in your family finances so if you could do let's say a 15-year refinance and put that money into your loan i think that would be a really good possibility again if your credit is solid you're going to have a rate in the twos rather than a rate in the sevens kim 
All right. Hannah in Oklahoma says, hello, I just purchased my first home and I'm planning on doing some renovations. I'd like to open a credit card that has good cash back rewards for those renovations. So my question is, how soon after purchasing a home should I wait to apply for a new credit card? You don't necessarily need to wait. Just check your credit score. Go to Credit Karma, set up an account with them so you can steadily monitor your card, I mean, your score. And I would look at the City Double Cash as probably the easiest go-to because it's a flat 2% cash back on everything you're up to. Or if you have accounts with Fidelity Investments, get one of their 2% cards. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.